The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we check in with listener Marissa and talk about her recent trip to Disney World right before Christmas 2021. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can get bonus content by subscribing at Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. I can do all the hard work for you, so you can focus on having fun on your vacation. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you'd like to connect with the podcast or have any questions, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So today we have a great guest. We are going to do a trip report. It is Marissa Martin. She was here for episode 156. We're going to dispense with all the pleasantries today because we want to hear what Marissa has to say. Marissa, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you again. Thank you for having me back. Now, a quick reminder, if you didn't listen to that episode, Marissa and her family generally travel at least two years in a row the week right before Christmas in December. So Marissa, you want to tell us a little bit about your family and why you like to travel during that week? Sure. We haven't always decided to do a a Christmas trip, but the last couple of years we have, especially with COVID and the lower crowds, we've just decided that that's been a, a good time of year for us. We generally get out of school a little bit earlier than the rest of the country and even in our area. And so it proves to be a a pretty good week for our family to go and get a good jump on the Christmas season. So we enjoy it. And tell us a little bit about your family. How many kids do you have in tow? And then what um, dates were you actually at Disney World? It's myself and my husband, Justin, and my son, Ridley, who is nine, and my daughter, Mabry, who is seven. And we were there December 15th through the 20th. Great time to go. Now, really quickly, you know, how did the crowds feel compared to last year? They were definitely heavier, but our wait times were not that bad. I'd really anticipated some really bad wait times but we used Genie Plus, we rope dropped, and we just used our normal touring plans. We didn't have long waits at all. I think the longest we actually waited was 40 minutes for our third ride on Slinky Dog. So the only time I was actually really intimidated with the crowd was our first night in the parks for Magic Kingdom fireworks. And (laughs) we just, we had had a very early morning. We had gotten in to Orlando the night before, very late, and it wasn't in us to fight the crowd to get home to our hotel that night, so we did not stay for the Magic Kingdom fireworks. That was the only time where I'd ever seen the crowd for any fireworks show that big and that deep, and we just wanted to go ahead and get back to the hotel that night. 
Yeah, I think a lot of families have that reaction at that point in the day. So good call. Why don't you tell us where did you choose to stay this trip and why did you pick it? We stayed at the Dolphin and this was a first time for us. And I think it has probably ruined us for any other Disney hotel. We had such a great experience there. We typically stay at moderate resorts for the simple fact that we are just not in the room enough to appreciate and pay for a deluxe resort, but we do love to have multiple transportation options. We like to have, you know, a little bit better food options and choices. So we do like the moderates and we had decided to try the Swan and Dolphin this time for the price, the location, all the food options they have there, the pool, everything. And it really proved to be one of the best hotels we've we've ever stayed at. We enjoyed having access to the boardwalk. It was just wonderful. Walking to Epcot and to Hollywood Studios was so convenient. I truly think it's a hidden gem and we will stay there again. It's like for Disney moderate prices or maybe just a little bit more than moderate, you get deluxe benefits. Um, and I think that's pretty great. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard about my stay. Broken showers notwithstanding, I do think that I, I love to hate on the dolphin because that one broken shower story, but it's still to be able to get the extended evening hours for sometimes it's like the same price as a moderate. I mean, it's tough to beat that. We did hit it during a time where it was the same price as a moderate and there was very little available. I think there was like one option at Caribbean Beach. And I know they have a cap on the rooms for staffing purposes and things like that, but it was exactly the same price. And, you know, why not? And I did hear your shower shower story, and it was the first thing I checked when we checked into the room that night. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I'm glad you, you know, they fixed the shower because I was there. So it must There you been. go. Now, I know you had a rough morning your first day, and uh, you had told us back in episode 156 that you all are rope droppers, and you've got Genie Plus to deal with now. So why don't you tell us about that story? It's probably like, it sounds like it was like your only one minor issue with, I don't even know if it's because of the dolphin, but you know, your one issue. So tell us about that story. Yes. Yeah, so we did arrive in Orlando pretty late that night, and I think I actually got to bed around 1 a.m. once I got everybody settled and, and unpacked to, you know, know that we were going to have an early morning, early entry for Magic Kingdom that particular morning was 7.30. So we got up, we got ready to be walking to, we were going to use the boardwalks buses to get to Magic Kingdom. And we had set out to leave around 6.45 to get to the bus stop, to have time to ride the bus and be at the gate for Magic Kingdom for early entry. And so as you're doing that and trying to walk to the bus, and, and we weren't familiar with this, the resort, so we had to, you know, look for a map to try to get to the right spot for the boardwalk bus bus stops. But we were trying to, my husband was leading the kids. I was working the phone for Genie Plus, waiting on the bus, boarding a bus, and trying to do our lightning lane selections first thing at 7 a.m. And in doing all that, we we forgot the backpack, which is, you know, a cardinal sin going to the parks with children. 
you know, you need your backpack. But we learned that actually we really don't need the backpack because we made it the full day without the backpack. The one hiccup was upon check-in, we had been given the keys to the world card, I guess, at check-in at the Dolphin. And I asked there, I said, do I need these? I have our magic bands and I have our uh, magic mobile set up. Will we need these to get into the parks? And they said, probably not, but just, you know, take them anyway, just in case. Well, we put them in the backpack and... (laughs) We actually ended up that we did need them because when we got to Magic Kingdom for early entry, we lit up blue. And that proved to be, long story short, with guest relations, they were very confused and had three people working on why we couldn't get in. But it did have to, they did have to reissue those cards to us. And then they relinked them to our system, to our bands and our Magic Mobile. And that ruined the early entry time for us. That really ate up that whole time. I think we were there for about 40 minutes and they gave us a lightning lane that we could use anytime to make up for, for that confusion. But we had, I had my friend and her family coming in the next day and I told them about our situation and the same thing did happen to them, but they remembered their backpack and they had the cards that the dolphin had issued them and they were able to get in just fine. So it's a small hiccup that I, I'm not sure whether to attribute it to the dolphin system or to, to Disney's IT. I'm, I'm not sure, but they, you know, they did rectify it and they compensated us with the lightning lane. So it was all good in the end. Yeah, there's definitely a disconnect there because the same thing happened to me and then they checked my dolphin key card or whatever. I got to ask, did you get your backpack back? Because we had that same exact situation in like 2017 at Port Orleans and we never saw that backpack ever again. Well, we had just left it in the room. In the hustle oh, and bustle. Okay. So okay. we didn't, okay. we didn't. Not as bad as us then. No, we didn't forget it on the bus. We, we just forgot it in the room and it had those key cards in it. But it, you know, I had meticulously packed, packed that backpack <laughs> three weeks ago with everything, every rain, rain ponchos and everything that you might need throughout the day, medicines, all kinds of things. But with a, you know, a nine and seven year old, you don't need as much as you used to. And so we made it. And my husband who, is usually the one saddled with the backpack. He, he enjoyed not having it. We learned two things that day, that we no longer need a stroller and we no longer need a backpack if we absolutely can't get one. So yeah, welcome to the other side. It's pretty glorious. Yes. Now that mine are yes. 12 and eight, I have been doing that for about a year or two. I mean, we still sometimes take a, a mini backpack just for like water bottles, but that's really about it. It's great. Nice to be able to travel light. Indeed. All right. Well, I know we want to talk about character meet and greets. And uh, how did your kids feel about how things were going when you were there seeing princesses and other characters? What was that experience like? We did the princesses very early in the morning at Magic Kingdom. And there was absolutely walk-in situation. It was it set a five-minute wait, but we were the first people in line and they took us right back. And I always like to use my son as a benchmark with how good a princess meet and greet is for a nine-year-old little boy. And he seemed to be enjoying himself. So they must be just a-okay. Of course, my daughter loves them. We've had some really, you know, intimate princess meets before where you're, I have the cutest pictures of my daughter when she was like two and three hugged up on the princesses and things like that. But they're fine. I mean, 
we're all accustomed to this social distancing now. They interact with you. They talk with you. They take their time. The one thing I do think would improve the meet and greets was if they would have had an actual photo pass photographer there. When we were there, they only had a cast member that you really had to like ask if he or she would take your family picture with the princess. They didn't offer, but when you asked them, they would. The same with our Mickey and Minnie meets. There was no official photo pass person in the meet and greet. There was just a cast member there that would take a picture with your phone. And so I think that could be improved upon with the actual professional Disney photographers. But still, the kids loved it and great pictures. As long as you have a good iPhone, (laughs) there's not much difference. But I would have appreciated to have it sent to the photo pass and whatnot because we did have that for this trip. Yeah, I met with Mickey and I had the same experience. I thought it was just like a one-off, but it, it doesn't seem like the photo pass photographers are back. I don't know if that's a staffing thing. I also noticed that Even at like the worst part of the day, I didn't see the princess meet and greets wait times over like 25 minutes. And that's on the app. I don't think they were even that. And Mickey was like never more than 10 minutes. I'm not sure if people don't want to go because of the social distancing. So I was thinking to myself, this is like now is like a great time to go. But they just announced like last week that it's going to be on Genie Plus. So now I'm like, are the standby lines going to get pushed back again? So I'm not sure you know, what that's going to look like. Genie Plus always makes the lines longer. So I think we'll have to just wait and see. But it sounds like you got in while the getting was good, Marissa. Well, the lines were fairly short, maybe before this changeover happens. So I guess you got to go back and tell us, Joe, when you go next month. I certainly will be meeting some princesses and will report back. All right. So we wanted to talk to you a lot about kind of your dining experiences. Now, you when you were there last year, that was kind of when Disney was like, you must mobile order. And like, that's the only thing that you can do. And uh, in a little bit, we'll talk to you about your table service experiences. But let's talk about quick service first. You know, my experience was mobile ordering had started to feel pretty different, both in November and in January. It wasn't as efficient as I had remembered it being. So I was just curious, how was your mobile order experiences? Did you still mobile order everything? Or I know I've seen a lot more people being allowed in to like just order like normal style. So, you know, what was that like for you all? You know, I really experienced the opposite. I was going in prepared because I had heard many trip reports where they were having to do their mobile orders for lunch like quite early in the morning. So I was prepared to do that and and did do that the first couple of days. But we noticed that the times were quite easy to get at normal lunch times or normal dinner times. But also, on the other hand, I noticed that they were stopping people to say, no, you cannot come in until you've mobile ordered. And you were having to actually show your purple. I think it is purple when it comes time to go in. I I, I think I'm right on that. But um, they were very strict on that. And I always kind of hate it for the people that aren't as well informed that are standing there. And they don't even have any idea what it is to mobile order. And you have cast members out there helping them put through those orders. We ate at Columbia Harbor House and they had a crowd actually waiting outside just placing mobile orders and they were kind of stopping them. And then of course, I had made mine early that morning in anticipation of something like that, but there were still so many times available. It was just, they were just holding people out there until their actual order was complete. And we had like an 11 o'clock lunch The upstairs was completely empty. (laughs) Like we were the only family up there. We had a really good experience with mobile order as a whole. 
I quite prefer it. I, I mean, we use some downtime to kind of look at menus and figure out what we want when we want to eat it. I was thankful that we didn't always have to do that at seven or eight in the morning to figure out what we wanted for lunch because the times were more readily available than I had heard they would be. I had a great experience with it last year using it for the very first time. And again, this year, I I just, I, I think it's a great addition to how the parks do um, the quick service meals. Were the pickup times fairly prompt? I know that's been kind of a choke point for a lot of folks where they, you know, you hit the I'm here button and then you're waiting 15 minutes to get actually get your food. No, it was, you know, very seamless with our times were accurate. Our orders were always everything that we had ordered was on the trays. It, it worked very, very well for us. And I do think we were there during a lighter, lighter crowd week. And so that might have been, you know, that obviously has some impact on that. But ours, like I said, we had a great experience with with it across the board. And we mobile ordered for mostly breakfast and lunch, we would try to eat our dinners at our table service meals. I do want to give a great plug for the mobile order in the in the dolphin. That to me, as the mom who is always running around in the morning at the Disney resorts, the moderates, where you could have like a 15-minute walk just to go get breakfast to bring it back to the room. This mobile order service at the Dolphin is like mobile order room service, I guess you would call it. And they were to the minute at my door, 6.30, knock on the door, the Mickey waffles delivered right to you. And that was a huge plus for me. I really appreciated that part of the hotel. That could be the case for all the deluxes. I've never really stayed there and and had an ordered room service, but room service can be notoriously like long to wait for. But I would place this order at night, pick my time, and it was always exactly on time. So that was a really good service that they had that I made use of. I did not know about this so where did you like or can you just run through the mechanics of how you placed sure. your order or is it on the app it's through that it's through the dolphin app yes and um it works similarly to what what you do in the parks and you choose your time and i think they shut it down at 12 midnight to place the order but that night we arrived and we were in very late that morning i ordered i got up really early and was able to place an order to come to, like i think at like 5 5.30 and I placed the order and picked for six o'clock and it was right there. So within 30 minutes they had it. It was very efficient and it's the same Mickey waffles that you get anywhere else on property. So that was just one thing that made the whole morning a lot easier. That's a great tip. Now, uh, selfishly, I need to ask you, moving on to table service, we have an internal debate right now in our family, like whether we should do Cinderella's Royal Table or not. Price-wise, it's not; it's definitely not as expensive as the um, princess thing at Grand Floridian, which is not running right now. What was your experience like at Cinderella's Royal Table? I know it's only Cinderella right now, right? But how did you all like that experience? And how was the food, I guess? Yes. Yeah, so I went in with kind of low expectations for the food. I've heard it was more of a restaurant that you go to for the experience. But I actually was very, very impressed. From the minute you walk into the castle, they announce you and there's a little pomp and circumstance for the kids. They announce you as a family when they are ready to take take you to your seat. Even like the little spiral staircase you have to climb up with all the stained glass windows. 
And again, I'm using my nine-year-old son as a benchmark there for Cinderella's Castle. And he was just like taking it all in. He loved it. He was like, we're really like in the, the real castle. I was like, yes, we're in the castle. And we had like a table in the center. So we had a really good view of like the whole restaurant. And it is only Cinderella, but she came in like four times. It was plenty of Cinderella. Like by the time I, the meal was done and she was coming through and I really needed to use the restroom, but they don't like you to get up while Cinderella's coming. You know, it's kind of, we were a little Excuse over. Excuse me, princess. Yes, I need to go like, to the restroom. Um, but yeah, they, she came in very frequently. I thought the experience was great. I was very taken with the whole castle and we were actually there we had an early dinner at 3.30 because you can kind of take what you can get with getting a reservation there. But it was so nice because I didn't think about it, but with it getting dark earlier, you could really see like the detail in the windows and all that stuff while it was still day. So I was a little bummed about our, our quote unquote dinner time at 3.30, but I think it really added to the beauty of the restaurant to have that sunlight shining through all those beautiful windows. The food I was told, and in several trip reports, you know, that the food is not the best, but I actually quite enjoyed the food. We started with the charcuterie and the heirloom tomato salad. My kids had apples for their appetizer. All of it was just really, it was really good. Scallops, beef tenderloin. My kids had the beef, um, but the... (laughs) And I'm not even a dessert person, but my absolute favorite part of the meal was the coffee pots de creme. That was the best dessert that I had the entire trip. It was delicious. I had initially asked for a Bailey's and coffee. <laughs> they don't serve, they called Bailey's liquor. <laughs> they didn't have liquor. And so um, they couldn't get me the Bailey's and coffee, but they, our, our server, he said, you need to try this if you like coffee. And so I was like, sure send that my way. And it was absolutely delicious. My favorite dessert of the whole trip. And the Royal 50th flight, the alcoholic wine, sangria, mimosa combo. I had two of those. They were, they were really good. My husband had some kind of beer. The whole meal was great. And their white sangria that was in that flight, I noticed was on several other menus throughout the parks. And that proved to be my drink for the trip. (laughs) Very nice. Beer in the castle. Come on. What are you doing? You got to be fancier than that. What are other table service restaurants that like really stood out to you? I know you guys did a bunch of table service dining. We did the next day on our Hollywood Studios day, we did Brown Derby and my husband loves a good salad. And so of course I was like, well, you've got to get the Cobb salad here. And it lived up to all the hype. Uh, Again, we got a charcuterie board there. I also had the the oyster and brie soup, which I don't know what I had in my mind, but I thought it was going to be different than how they presented it. It was just very, very rich, and I could only take like three bites of it, and I was kind of kind of done with that. But the server brought the hamburger, and I'm not a hamburger person. They have scallops. If scallops are on the menu, that's usually what I'm getting. But I'd had them the day before in, at Cinderella's Royal Table, and they walked by with this hamburger that just smelled delicious, and I'd never get a hamburger at a fine dining restaurant, but I did. 
and my husband and I kind of split it. He had the salad and it was, it was so good. It had caramelized onions. It was like a savory, sweet type burger. It was just wonderful. And that was unexpected for me because I was like, I, I would never have looked at that menu and thought I'm going to get the hamburger while I'm here at Brown Derby. That was really very, very good. And again, they had that sangria. So I got that. And the kids had, I think they had, they had hot dogs that night. So hot dogs at the Brown Derby, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> my kid probably would have had French fries. So I sympathize. <laughs> What we do, what we do. That hamburger is really good. Cho, I think I might have had it when I was dining there with you at one point. I know we ate at Brown Derby a couple of years ago together. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we were close enough at the time for me to ask if uh, I could try your burger, but maybe next time. <laughs> okay, next okay. Time. After after four years of podcasting, you get we, a bite we, of the we burger. Could, we could split hamburgers now. We, we've been That's right. together long enough, yeah. <laughs> Well, any other restaurants that really stood out to you all that you enjoyed? Um, This was kind of like a late booking for us. We had a later morning, of course, with our Epcot day, and we were right there on the boardwalk. So I booked Treacheria Al Forno in hopes that maybe they might bring back character dining, like, you know, in the week or two before I, I booked it and going on our getting there on our trip, but they did not, but it was still a wonderful breakfast. The standout there was the breakfast pizza. My son got the breakfast pizza. It's not like a kid's menu item. It's a regular item. It was made with, uh, of course, there's their signature pizza crust with the white gravy that you would normally have like on a biscuit. And then they had eggs and cheese and onions and ham. It was really, really good. Like he had to tell us to stop taking off his plate. I also had the avocado toast, which was like a huge serving. I thought they were bringing me like a salad. It was this thick toast with a lot of avocado, a lot of greens, radishes, and it was really good too. Very light, but still very filling. My husband had this spinach egg white frittata. Again, light, but filling. And we had mimosas and Bloody Marys that morning to uh, kick off our Epcot morning. And it was just literally like a three minute walk to the World Showcase from there. So that was, um, that was a place we had never been before. We were glad to get to try that. Now we ate around the world. (laughs) I don't know if that, if we want to talk about that just yet, but our other, other table service meal was on our animal kingdom day. We went to, to Boma and again, it was a new restaurant for us and we had never visited animal kingdom lodge. So I wanted to try to do that while we were there. And we left Animal Kingdom that day around 5.30 to check out the tree and the, the sites at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And we stopped and um, after we had, they had some s'more stations outside and we made some s'mores and took our picture by the tree. And then we went to Victoria's Falls Lounge, which I guess is just the bar up above Boma and sat there and had a couple of drinks, a couple of appetizers. Of course, we didn't know what we were in store for <laughs> when we went to actually sit for our meal. So we really didn't need all those appetizers upstairs. But I was very surprised with how busy Boma was and how closely together you were seated. 
And we may have had a problem of our own making because we got there about an hour before our reservation and we said, hey, we're here. We're just upstairs. If you can call us earlier, please do. But that was right at prime dinner time. Like I think they called us at 7.15. Our regular reservation was, I think it was close to eight o'clock, like 7.55 or something like that. So peak dinner time and it was just very, very crowded. And we were seated very close to our neighbors, which is fine. It's not that I was concerned with COVID or anything like that. It was just almost had trouble getting out of your seat to go back to the buffet because you were so close to your neighbors. And and it was just very packed. But the food was great. And I feel like I tried everything on the buffet, even if it was just like a little bit, we tried it. And there was not one thing that was not good. The soups were great. They had salmon. The ribs were really good. Didn't expect ribs on a buffet to be as good as they were. Our kids love this, the pasta station for the kids. They just had something for everybody. And I can see why it is so popular. Their dessert station was wonderful. Um, my husband had never had the what is it? The zebra, zebra mound, zebra option. And then they had this like passion fruit mousse thing that was delicious. It was very good. I'd recommend it. Maybe go at an off time so it's not so crowded, but that was something for everybody on that buffet. But you know, it might not be for you. If you are concerned about crowds and you're not ready for a buffet, that might be something to consider too, because everybody was serving themselves. It was full on buffet of old days, you know, no, no extra um, safety measures, except for hand sanitizer. It was just regular times at the Boma buffet. Let me just say that. We got, we got it. We got it. Uh, Zebra domes. Zebra domes. There you have it. I like how you have done Disney World. Lots of good food involved, but I know we want to really briefly touch on a couple of other things from your trip. Just generally speaking, how was Genie Plus for you guys? I know you used it. Did you use it all the days of your trip or just for some of the parks? Yes. I pretty much said, Disney, here is my wallet. Take all my money and I don't want to wait on a line. So yes, we used it for every day, even knowing that, you know, it was not maybe worth the money in some of the parks, but we used it anyway. My thoughts on it, we hardly ever waited in in a line. But the way that I wanted to approach using it was to still use my traditional touring plan knowledge of how to use, you know, how to ride, ride rides in the parks to the best of my ability with my knowledge about crowds and things like that in times of day. But we wanted to use Jeannie to get that second ride. So try to do all of our favorites in the mornings or late, late in the evenings and use Jeannie Plus in the midday when you could get on a ride a second time. And that, that worked for us for many scenarios. So I I liked it. We definitely did not want to wait in the flight of passage line. So we bought that. We bought seven doors. We even bought Space Mountain to get a second ride. So Yes, we paid for it and then we paid some more and we got the virtual queue. We were number 12 boarding group for um, Remy's on the virtual queue. That's no longer available. We didn't have to pay for that one, but we, we paid for Frozen. We did not want to do lines. So it worked for us in that respect. I did a ton of research before our trip to learn the ins and outs, to see what you could stack if they 
had any, they closed all the loopholes, I think, right before I went. So I had to do a little quick revamp on my plan. I, I do think that if you had gone into the parks trying to use Genie Plus and had not done any research, it would prove to be frustrating. So, you know, I was glad that we, I, I had watched videos. I'd listened to y'all. I'd listened to a couple other podcasts and real-time experience and that, that really helped. But I will say that it is easier in practice than it is if you were to sit down and read something about how to work Genie Plus. The tip board is very helpful. I like that they have an interface that toggles between rides and then dining. I think that's, that's very useful. So, I, I, you know, I, I would buy it again. You know, we may hem and haw about the a- added cost. But at the end of the day, for us, we go once a year usually. And so we need to make the most of our trip. And we don't want to waste our time that we could be doing other fun things in the park, standing in lines for our family. That's $60 a day and then some because of the... <laughs> paying for the individual lightning lanes. But one lady, as I was coming off flight of passage, she was like, was it worth the three and a half hour wait? And I said, well, no, ma'am, it wouldn't have been, but I paid $11 and that was well worth it. <laughs> so um, that it. that was, it is worth it to us, to our family and how we visit Disney and how we tour the parks to get the Genie Plus. And we didn't have any major hiccups with it. One thing that I would caution people about with little ones is my daughter did not um, tap in into one of the second tap-in stations in Pirates of the Caribbean. And I guess she got through. And when I, of course, at the second tap station, you can start working your Genie Plus again. And I couldn't figure out what is wrong. Why is it not letting us do this. And so when I got off the, the ride, um, I asked a cast, a cast member and they said, Oh, I see. She did not tap in on the second. So they had to manually like override something. So be careful that you're tapping in, everything's turning green. And, you know, we had to make her aware of that, of that, make sure you're watching to make sure it all turns green so that it doesn't mess us up for when we try to get on another ride. So that was the one little hiccup we had. But I found that all the cast members, even outside of the Blue Umbrella cast members, these, uh, the cast members just at the, at the rides were very knowledgeable about Genie Plus and were able and ready to, to help with any questions that we ever had. It was a good experience for us. Great to hear. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but um, it's always great to have you on, Marissa. I forgot to write this in the email, but I assume that you probably maybe came prepared with one. Do you have a Disney do or don't for us? My Disney do for this trip, we had really wanted to take a greater in-depth look at the countries in Epcot. We always kind of just stay on the periphery and the fronts and maybe at the the food booths and whatnot. But last year when we went, my son was very interested in them. And this go round, we really wanted to get in all the nooks and crannies of the countries and explore and see the detail that goes into each each one of those countries and their exhibits and whatnot. And we did the kid cot. And it's a little kid passport that they stamp and give a sticker at each country. And my kids really got into that. And we got into it as well because you have to kind of hunt for the little kid cot station in each of the countries. So I would recommend if you 
you have kids that are, you know, upper elementary that can understand about that and kind of know what a passport is and whatever, they may really enjoy that. And you can get the um, KidCot things, uh, the little passports at any of the countries. And then each country has a, like I said, a stamp or a sticker to verify that you went to that particular country. And in doing so, you do kind of have to hunt around the countries to see where they may be. So we really enjoy doing that. And if that's something that your family has never done, it helps you explore the countries uh, in greater depth. So I would I would totally recommend doing the kid cot. I'm so glad you said that because that was the one thing it pained me to cut it off of the stuff that we had written down. So I'm glad you said that. And as I've said before, my kids love that stuff too. Well, Marissa, thank you again so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Maybe we will need to have you on again in January, 2023. Thanks so much for sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me. And uh, you can find old episodes of this podcast, including Marissa's last trip report at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the places you find podcasts. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie and Marissa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you with your dolphin key to the world cards ready for early morning hours at Disney World. Thanks, Joe. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.